How's everybody this morning? Well, I got to tell you, I know y'all, the, the ones that were in the traffic jam didn't enjoy it, but that's a preacher's dream right there. See, a good traffic jam. I love a good traffic jam. So I'm glad y'all are here. Praise the Lord. I think there's a few more seats, maybe not. Here's more seats over here. So if y'all looking for a chair, there's some more chairs over here. Thank you for being here. Thank you, thank you for being faithful and bringing the best gift that you can bring to the house of the Lord. You know what that is, right? It's you. You are the gift. And I'm so grateful that you're here today because Jesus brought his best. We can bring our best. Amen. So thank you for being so faithful. And we're excited, like Darla was saying, for next week we've got... We've got a service at 8 o'clock. Come early and get the fresher donuts. <laughs> you know what Jesus said? He said, if you feed them, they'll come, right? So, well, we call that, we, he said that we should be fishers of men, so we call that bait. <laughs> donuts, that's what we call that, bait. But we're glad you're here. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for being faithful with your tithes and offering. Our, our ushers will have buckets after the service, but we don't have church so we can take an offering. We, we receive the offering so we can pay for things around here. And isn't it amazing that whenever we give to God, we get to pay for our air conditioning? Just doesn't make sense. It's kind of like Jesus. He gives and he gives and he gives. And he makes it all about us. And I'm so grateful for that, that when we make it about him, he makes it about us. And I'm so grateful for you being here. Everybody looks pretty Easterish this morning. Y'all look so beautiful, all y'all, except you men, and you men look okay too. <laughs> I want to talk to you this morning, the title of my message, If the Tomb Could Talk. If, have you ever been in, in, in somebody's old house and like, Boy, if these walls could talk. Uh, we had a, an old house here that was on this property. They told us that before segregation happened, that the, the black children in the community came to school in that old house. I'm so glad that we don't do stuff like that anymore. I'm so glad that God looks at people. He looks on their hearts. Mm. I just, I just think about the tomb, though, and if the tomb could talk, it could tell you some stories. It could tell you some things about God, the ultimate answer to life's questions. Everybody talks about questions that we have in life. Uh, not everybody appreciates Christianity. There was a court, uh, uh, there was uh, someone took, an atheist took the 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 state to court in Florida because the atheists didn't have a, a day for them. Like everybody's got to have their, their day. Christians have Easter and Christmas and the Jews have Hanukkah and everyone. Everybody's got their deal, but the atheists, they kind of, they kind of felt left out. And so they, they sued the, the, the state of Florida and they went before the judge and uh, the case was brought before the judge, and after listening to the passionate presentation of the lawyer, the judge banged his gavel, and he said, case dismissed. Well, the lawyer, he stood up and objected to the ruling. He said, Your Honor, how can this, 
How can you dismiss the case? The Christians have Christmas, Easter, and Jews have Passover, Yom Kippur, Hanukkah. Yet my client and all the other atheists have no other holiday. Well, the judge leaned forward in his chair as he said, but you do, your client, your counselor is woefully ignorant. The lawyer said, your honor, we're unaware of any special observance of holidays for atheists. And the judge said, well, the calendar says April 1st. (laughs) Stirring it up. He says, Psalm 14.1 says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Thus, it is the opinion of the court that if your client says there is no God, then he is a fool. Therefore, April, April 1st is his day. Court adjourned. <laughs> you got to love that. You got to love that. I'm thankful for Judges that know the scripture, right? They, they really know. Oh, I can't get off on that. Woo. So there's all kinds, all different walks of people today. And uh, deep down, we long to settle the question, what is the point of human existence? I mean, we all get up and go to work. We, we do what we do. We get up and you know, go to bed, get up, go to bed. You know, and it almost seems so repetitive, but there has to be a reason. There has to be a purpose. And, and if the tomb could talk, it would say that there is a reason for our existence. That Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. It's not just about going through the motions, but it's about having a reason, having a purpose, and having a passion for something that really matters. And that one thing that really matters, think about it, the one thing that really matters is eternity. It says that eternity has been put in the heart of every man and every woman. God placed eternity in our hearts. Reason he did that was because we all have to wrestle with that one thing called eternity. And if the tomb could talk, it would talk to us about eternity because Jesus brought the ability and the purpose to follow through with accepting him as our personal savior that we might have eternal life. Who wouldn't want some of that? It's the ultimate question to give the meaning. That is what I find so wonderful about Easter. It's the celebration of God's ultimate answer to life's questions. Perhaps nowhere in God's ultimate word is of response more settled and summed up than that of the empty tomb we celebrate today. And in fact, tombs have been well-known to tell us about different things. Tombstones themselves are often said to be a summation of one's life. Perhaps the greatest tomb that we are aware of in our generation was in, discovered in 1922, well, a ways back. They discovered King Tut's tomb, discovered in Egypt, you, go, you all know that. But he ruled in 1344 BC at the age of nine. How would you like your 10-year-old running the country? (laughs) So, (laughs) stop, stop, just stop. (laughs) Just stop. 
So we also learned, we're going on with the sermon over there. We also learned of, of, of King Tut's values as wealth. It took seven weeks. Listen, it took seven weeks to get the treasure. He had seven model boats, uh, had chairs, thrones, chests laden in gold, solid gold masks, gold shrines. Considered by contrast the tomb of Jesus that changed the world. You know what was in Jesus' tomb, right? Huh, nothing. He's not there. I'm getting my phone from my paper, in case you was wondering. But the difference between King Tut's tomb and Jesus' tomb was that Jesus' tomb was empty. The ultimate demonstration of power. You see in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, it says, and if the Spirit, everybody say if. One little bitty word, if. If the Spirit, if the Spirit, because when Jesus, you remember after he rose from the dead, stay with me, after he rose from the dead, the Bible says that he said, I'll send the Spirit to, to be with you and I'll not leave you comfortless, but the Holy Spirit comes to help us and to give us strength and to give us power and to help us to live the life that he's called us to live. He said, I'm not gonna leave you out there. Hang you out there to dry. I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit to help you. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? So he said, if the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body. How many would like to have some of that? Eternal life to your mortal body. I don't know about you, but my body gets more mortal every day, I think. It's like, it's like, it's like. It says, and the reason is, is because his spirit lives in you. So no matter what your body does, your spirit can thrive, not just survive, but thrive because he has given you a purpose. And the Bible says whenever he comes back to get his church, that the trumpet will sound and the dead shall be raised. Boy, you think about that. The dead shall be raised imperishable, like all that, imp that perishable stuff's gonna be gone, and the mortal will put on immortality. For when the mortal puts on immortality, the perishable puts on imperishable, then shall come to pass that death is swallowed up in victory. Yeah. Woo! Death is swallowed up in victory. So we're born, and from the day we're born, we begin to die. But when we accept Jesus, when we're born again, then we begin our eternal life, and our residence is not here on this earth. Someone wrote the song, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through my treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue and the angels welcome me to heaven's open doors and I, I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, oh Lord, what would I do? Woo! It, it stirs me up to have so many people here. <laughs> we should try this every Sunday. 
So the pyramids of Egypt, they, they're, they're famous because they have mummified bodies. Egyptian kings, Westminster Abbey in London, it rests the bodies of English nobles, not, notables, Muhammad, Muhammad's tomb is the stone coffin and the bones that it contains from Muhammad. Arlington Cemetery in Washington is honored as a resting place for many outstanding Americans who also made, who also made the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. But the garden tomb of Jesus is famous because it's empty, because nobody's there. <laughs> oh, so good. <coughs> there it is, the ultimate demonstration of God's power. The, the ultimate demonstration of God's power in Christ. It was the final fulfillment of countless prophecies regarding the coming Messiah, God's very own, including not only how he'd been born, but how he would die, be buried in his grave, in his resurrection. It was all prophesied. You remember the, the book of Isaiah when he prophesied it over a thousand years before it happened. You, th you think these miraculous things are just for today? I'm telling you, God has always been God and he'll always do miraculous things. He knew what was going to happen to Jesus thousands of years prior to Jesus coming to the cross. Even 600 years before crucifixion was ever developed as a system of torture, God prophesied through the prophet Isaiah. He said that, uh, what do you say? I'll tell you in a minute. I got it in my notes, but I, I thought I had it memorized, but y'all make me nervous. But here's what Jesus said about it. He said, even... He said, if, there's that word again, if they did not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone raises from the dead. You, have you ever wondered why not everybody wants to follow Jesus? I don't understand that. It's just like, it's a no-brainer. I mean, that's what I do whenever, whenever I want to buy a horse. I don't buy the horse unless it's a no-brainer. Like, yeah, that's the right deal. Or buy a piece of pie. Oh, yeah, that's right. Buy that house. That's right. Or, you know, no-brainers. Jesus, I mean, it just, it just makes sense to follow Jesus because he has laid out the perfect plan and he fills our heart. And see, we try to fill our heart with other things in life. And we try to get fulfillment and peace from different things in life. And we think, oh, that's going to do it for me. And then it doesn't do it. And then we try to find something else to see if that does it. Then that doesn't do it. But I want to tell you right now, and please don't ever forget these words. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Only Jesus. And the only reason is, is because he is alive. Everybody else is going to wind up in the grave. But three days couldn't hold my God down because he is the God of the resurrection. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of y'all remember C.S. Lewis. He was a, a professor in, of medieval Renaissance literature at Cambridge University, and he wrote about the conversion, his conversion to Christianity, indicated that he had believed Christians to be wrong. 
He, he was one of those guys that tried to get a holiday for himself. And the last thing that Lewis wanted was to embrace Christianity. After evaluating the basis and evidence for Christianity, Lewis concluded that in other religions, there is no such historical claim like that of Christianity. His knowledge of literature forced him to treat the gospel record as a trustworthy account. He said, I was by now too experienced in literary criticism to regard the gospel as myth. Finally, contrary to his strong stand against Christianity, Professor Lewis had to make an intelligent decision. He said, night after night, feeling whenever my mind lifted, even for a second, my work, the steady, unrelenting approach of him whom I so earnestly desired not to meet. Isn't it something, aren't, aren't you thankful that Jesus didn't leave you alone when you didn't want to follow him? Aren't you glad that he just kept loving you and he's like, oh, I get it. I'm going to stay here with you because I care about you enough. I care about you more than you care about you. You may not think this is important, but Jesus says, I want to spend eternity with you and I love you too much to leave you alone. Aren't you thankful for that? Woo. So here's what he said. He said, that which I greatly feared had, had at last come upon me. And in 1929, I gave in and admitted that God was God and knelt and prayed, perhaps that night the most dejected and reluctant convert. <laughs> Aren't you glad, or don't you know God will take you even if you're reluctant? I'm thankful for that. He takes us just as we are. So the empty tomb tells us of God's ultimate power, the power that points us to the ultimate purpose. You see, power has no value unless it has a purpose. Is there anybody here that you've, uh, you've abused power before? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> we, uh, we, we had a couple four-wheelers several years back, and me and my son Caleb, we decided we was gonna, we had like, some, some jumps set up, some dirt jumps, and we was gonna jump them four-wheelers, and we thought that'd be a lot of fun. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, after we got through jumping the four-wheelers, one of those four-wheelers, the, the frame was completely bent. And what we realized was that the, the foundation of that four-wheeler wasn't strong enough to support its power. Or maybe the passenger was too heavy. I don't know. Either way, it was abused power. We all have what we call power. We all have, are different stewards of power. We have different, we all have been given some kind of authority somewhere. So what God is saying, he says, I have given you what I've given you for a reason and for a purpose. And when you find that purpose for the power that I've given you, only then will you have the peace that passes all understanding. Because along with God's power comes peace. That's one of my sermon points that I'm getting way ahead of right now, but I'm telling you, there is no substitute for peace in your life. Uh, all you got to do is not have peace in your life to know that you, the most valuable thing we can have is God's peace. Hallelujah. Matthew 5, 5, it says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. 
Blessed are the meek. Now, a lot of things, a lot of people think that meek people are wimpy people, like wink wimps. But really, the word meek in this context means power under control. It's one thing to have power, but to have that power and have it under control. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He had all the power in the world. And the Bible says that when he went to Golgotha, he prayed and he said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. He said, this, I'm not looking forward to this. He said, yet not my will, but thine. He submitted to the authority of the Father. He says, I want what you want, Father, for these people because I know there's going to be some people in Montgomery in 2022 on Easter Sunday. They're going to come and they're going to celebrate what I've done here. And the Father said, I love them people in Montgomery so much. I love those people watching online so much that whosoever believes in me should not perish. That's power under control. See, everybody abuses power in our world, and it seems like that's all we know, but please don't compare the abuse of power with the use of power that God has when he gave his life and he raised Jesus from the dead on that third day. I'm so grateful that God's power, ultimately, his purpose for his power is to love you because you are God's greatest treasure. You are God's greatest treasure. He didn't go to the cross for your boat. He didn't go to the cross for your horse. He didn't go to the cross for your pocketbook. He didn't go to the cross for your, 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 your 301k, whatever that is. He didn't do that. He, <laughs> woo, he went to the cross for you because he loves you. That's power under control. God's not impressed with our stuff. He don't care how many, how many degrees you have. I, I actually graduated with 104 degrees. I had a temperature. No, that's not true. God's priority, the second point is that, that God's priority is his people. It's always been his people. Jesus said, the son of man came to seek and to save those who were lost. Let me tell you something. If we don't have Jesus, we're lost as a goose in a hailstorm. We're lost people. We need Jesus. And the, the, have you ever been lost and didn't know it? Then your wife told you? You can be lost and not even know it. Help us, Jesus. There's a gym dealer, G-E-M, gym dealer. He was strolling the aisle in a Tucson gym mineral show, and he noticed a blue violet stone, the shape of a potato. And he looked it over, and as calmly as possible, he asked the vendor, he said, do you want $15 for this? And the vendor's like, well, there's other prettier stones. I'll take $10 for it. But realizing the rock... Uh, 
the stone had been certified later on as a 1,905 carat natural star sapphire. Pretty, that's a no-brainer, right? <laughs> that's what I was talking about. About 800 carats larger than the largest stone of its kind. It was appraised at $2.28 million. It took a lover, listen to me, it took a lover of sapphires to know the value of the sapphires. It took a lover of men to know the value of men and women, boys and girls. It took somebody who saw the value, and I just, please don't walk out of here not knowing this. God sees tremendous value in you. And that's why he went to the cross. And that's the reason that he's raised from the dead is so that we could have a personal relationship with a living Savior and eternity. Spend eternity with Jesus. Everybody like, oh, I just want to go to heaven. Listen, I just want to go see Jesus. I just want to go see Jesus. I'm going to tell you, heaven is something else, but I want to go see Jesus. The one who died on the cross for my sin, <laughs> that loved me that much, to bear the, the thorn on his, on his brow, to take the whipping with the, with the bones and the metal, and to hang on the cross because he loves me, I will never, ever, ever understand I'll never understand that. But you know what? For me, that's a no-brainer. <laughs> I'm going to fall in love with Jesus because that's the kind of God that I'll serve. His peace is priceless. We talked about the peace of God. Uh, the first words after Jesus rose from the dead, he, he said, peace be with you. Do you want more peace in your life? Get more of Jesus. Because Jesus said, I am your peace. If we don't have peace in our life, we need, we need more of Jesus. Because the more we have of Jesus, the more peace we'll have in our life. It's not something that we can buy with our credit card. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Peace is the greatest gift of the risen Savior. The great tragedy of our lives is that many live between the shame of our failures and the fear of our future. Listen, I want to, I want there's some people here today that they let shame run their life. And because of their past, they never achieve the potential of their future. But as a spokesman for, for Jesus this morning, I, I want you to know your shame holds no value to God. God looks at the value that you have, not about what you do, but about who you are. And if you can come to God and say, God, please forgive me, I know I was wrong. He can take away your shame and restore purpose and value into your life like you've never seen before. The more you stay with Jesus, the better you're gonna get and the more peace you're gonna have in your life. Can you say amen to that? So true. So the beautiful part of it is that he gives us access to him, access to him through the resurrection. The only reason we do church, 
The only reason we do church is so we can get closer to Jesus. Church doesn't save you. Church doesn't, just because you go to church doesn't make you a cow. Just like living in a barn, it don't make you a cow. Church doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. We come to church so we can get closer to Jesus. Jesus said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together like we're doing this morning. He said, don't forsake it. Some, he said, as some do. Some don't think it's valuable to attend church because they got better things. Does that ring a bell with you? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Better things to do. I'm going to tell you something. The greatest thing that you can do is seek after the risen Savior because he's here today for you. He'll be there for you tomorrow. And the close, we, all we want to do here at this church is to help people get closer to heaven, get closer to Jesus, and to know the risen Savior. I don't care what church you go to. I just want you to get to heaven. I really don't. So he gives us access. So as we close today, <laughs> I'd like to go back and, and think about the, the other tomb that we talked about in Egypt, the one that Howard Carter discovered in Egypt on November the 4th in 1922. When he found the first step, he quickly uncovered and, and secured and prepared the place for the fulfillment of his life's work. He had taken 10 years of digging to find this tomb. You think about it. He has spent a half a million dollars in 1922. That's like a jillion dollars today. Whatever. 10 years of digging. All gathered, and he dug along the step to the door, and Carter put a light in, and they said, what do you see? What do you see? And he said, marvelous things. And then he came back and went up to the top of the steps and put his head in his hands and cried. And then he said, 10 years, I, 10 years ago, I dug 18 inches from this step. I was so close, but yet so far away. Close only counts in, yeah, you got it, you got it. Horseshoes and hand grenades, right? You were created. I've been created for God to dwell inside of me. I know that sounds kind of scary to some of y'all, but I want you to know today that is your purpose. That's why you were knit together in your mama's womb, you were made to worship. And until we realize why we're here and what is the reason for life, we will wander around life like the little animal just wandering around, what's gonna happen? And I'm just gonna tell you, Jesus will give you purpose. He'll give you a reason for being. I didn't do this in the first service because I've done it before, but I felt convicted to tell you about this time in my life when my life really changed as a boy. 
Some of y'all may have heard it before, but it don't matter to me because I feel like I'm supposed to say it. Is there any kids here or parents, your, your dad and your mom, like, they believed in giving you like a real whipping. Raise your hand if you, yeah, not a play deal, but like a real whipping. That's like, that was my mom and dad. Like, not playing, there's like the real thing. And, uh, uh, like, who enjoys that, right? This is, this hurts you, they would say. This hurts you, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Like, really, you really believe that? I don't think so. I was about, I don't even know how old I was. I was too old to be, be, to be the way I was. I've always been kind of slow, really, I have. I know you wouldn't think, man. I was probably 11 or 12, maybe 15, no. <laughs> and uh, it seemed like I was getting a whipping every day. It seemed that way. I'm sure that's not the case, but I'm sure it seemed as though I was getting too many whippings. And one day my dad came in, he said, go to the bedroom. That's what he always said. He said, go to the bedroom. And, and whenever he says, go to the bedroom, you always know he's going to follow you in there. And it's a, it's a date you don't want to keep. Went in the bedroom. And dad walked in and generally just takes his belt off and gets after it and then he asked, always, he always asks you the question, do you know why I'm giving you this whipping? He, well, yeah, and I tell him what I did wrong. He says, that's right. And then, then he'd hug me, you know, and, and I'd cry a little bit. And then, like, the next day I'd mess up again. One day, he said, go to the bedroom, went to the bedroom. He comes in, and he says, Randy, said, I don't know what to do with you. He said, I'm tired of whipping you. I was like, well, I'm tired of getting whooped. <laughs> we're, we're on the same page here. I didn't say that. <clears throat> he said, from now on, he says, uh, when you're bad, you're gonna whip me because I'm tired of whipping you. He says, next time you're bad, so we're not going to do nothing today, but next time you're bad, you're going to whip me. I thought, well, okay. You're making the rules. <laughs> so like the next day, I was bad again because there was no consequences. Dad walks in the bedroom. He says, no, he said, go to the bedroom. He follows me in there. And like he's always done, takes his belt off, and I'm wondering if he really remembered the deal, you know. <laughs> but he hands me the belt, and he gets down on his hands and his knees like this, and he hands me the belt. He said, Randy, I want you to give me a whipping. All my life, I've been taught to honor my dad and just to, just to love my parents and to respect them. And I would never think about hitting my dad. I never think about it. 
Because they, they honestly, they, to the best of their ability, they loved us. And dad handed me that belt and he hollered at me. He said, Randy, I said to give me a whipping. And I was like, he said, whip me. And I kind of started crying. You know how I'm. I've always been like that. So I just kind of tapped him on the butt a little bit. <laughs> oh, his hiney, I mean. He said, Randy, I want you to give me a whipping because I want you to know what it feels like every time I've got to give you a whipping. And uh, I threw my belt down and I said, Dad, I can't do it. I said, I can't do it. I'm not, I'm not going to promise you I'm not going to be bad anymore, but I'm going to try hard not to be bad. And it wasn't until recent years that it occurred to me what Jesus did for me because <clears throat> I don't know about anybody, any of y'all out there, but I've repeated my sin too many times. Raise your hand if you've repeated, repeated your sins too many times. And I realized that when Jesus was up on the cross, instead of me taking the beating that I deserve, y'all with me? Instead of me taking that beating that I deserve, Jesus took it for me, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him should not perish, should not get what they deserve, but have everlasting life. Who? Who wouldn't want? Who wouldn't want some of that? That's love. That is love. I don't understand it. I'll never understand it, but the day that my dad said, I want you to whip me, I understood that I didn't want to be bad anymore. Did that mean that I wasn't bad anymore? I wish. But my heart changed. Something broke inside of me, and I realized all my turmoil wasn't really worth it that I could have peace in my life because God brings me discipline. Does that mean I'm perfect now? No, not even close. But what it means is it means I'm forgiven. And it means when I mess up, I can go to God. That means that I can come to him and that I can have a relationship with the God who loves me. And I'm grateful this morning on this Resurrection Sunday that I have Jesus. I'm so grateful this morning. Thank you. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you for your many blessings. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for us on the cross, but also thank you, Lord, for, for making a way, oh God, so that we could have a relationship with you, so that we could uh, wrestle with the eternal things in our lives, oh God. I pray for everybody here. Help us, oh Lord, to understand how you value us, oh God. 
And I thank you, Lord, that you loved us so much that you gave your life so that we could have eternal life. I'd like for everybody to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a second. This morning, the Bible says, here's what he says. It says we've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. The scripture also says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This morning, if you've never accepted him as your savior, maybe if you have and you just really haven't been living for him, simply by raising your hand, say, preacher, I need Jesus in my life. I want this kind of love in my life. I need the Lord to come into my life. Slip, slip your hand up high. We want to put a Bible in your hand. Put your hand up high. Yeah, leave your hand up until we get a Bible in it. Slip your hand up real high, everybody that has your hand up. Yeah, leave your hand up until we get Bibles in it, please. Leave your hands way up. Back in the back. Yep, thank you. Thank you. Yep, slip your hands up high. Preacher, once you get your Bible, you can put your hand down. Anybody else? Slip your hand up high. Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. I need Jesus. It don't, don't be ashamed. Listen, it's the greatest gift. It's the greatest gift. It's better than bread, that bread in the bag. It's good stuff to have a relationship with Jesus. Anybody else? Slip your hand up high. Anybody else? Everybody that raised your hand, I want you to look up at me. If you raise your hand, look up at me. I'm going to invite you to come down. I'm going to pray with you. Everybody that raised your hand, come on up, buddy. Come on, everybody that raised your hand over here. Come on. Yeah, thank you. Come on. Come on, buddy. Amen. Amen. I'm so proud of you. Bless your heart. What's your name? Jesse. Jesse. You're a good man. I love you. This is for you. This is for you. Anybody else? I know we have some more. Come on, you guys. What's up, buddy? Tell me your name. Jaden. Are you with him? No? What's your name? Raylan. You're so pretty. I'm glad you're here. Anybody else? Anybody else? I know there's a lot more of y'all raise your hand. Yeah, we'll wait on you. Come on, buddy. Yep. Yeah, hallelujah. I'm glad you guys are here. Was y'all listening to the sermon? Was y'all listening pretty good? I'm proud of y'all. I'm done. Nice to meet you. Dylan, bless you, buddy. I'm so proud of you. It's a good day for you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Okay, look in here. Your sister did? Well, we'll pray. She can pray back there if she wants to. Okay? So here's what we'll do. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we'll be saved. Saved from what? Saved from hell. Saved from death, eternal death, and be given eternal life. And Jesus called it being born again. When we were born the first time, we were, we, we were born by our mama out of our mama's womb. But the second time, we're born spiritually. And that's what Jesus is talking about, that eternal gift of eternal life. So I want to pray with y'all, okay? And so stay right there for a second. Everybody, I want to say to y'all out there, if you raise your hands, please pray with this, uh, this same prayer too. Mean it in your heart and say it with your mouth and accept Jesus because it's the greatest gift you'll ever have, okay? Let's help these pray. Just bow your heads and repeat after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, Dear Lord Jesus. Thank, you for loving me. thank you for 
Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Lord, I am a sinner. Please forgive me. I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my life. From this day forward, I give my life to you. Help me to read my Bible, to pray, show up for church, and get baptized. I love you, Jesus. Teach me to love you more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I'm so proud of y'all. Now look here. We got some folks over here where it says prayer. If you don't mind going over there for just a second, go on over there where it says prayer. If you don't, they want to pray with you over there for just a second. Thank you, Dylan. Love you, buddy. Would you stand with me, please? We invite everybody to come back next week. Uh, it, the 8 o'clock would, would be preferable, the 8 o'clock service, or the Monday night service at 7 o'clock. That's a beautiful time, too. It, and uh, listen, I tell people all the time, we can't help you if you don't show up. Amen. And, and uh, I think a lot of times people say, well, I don't have time. Well, here's the thing about time. Everybody has the same amount of time. Everybody. So what is important are the eternal things. How many need to prioritize the eternal things? Do a better job of prioritizing the eternal things. Raise your hand. I think we all could raise our hands on that. I want to pray for you. We have our prayer team up here. If you need special prayer, we'd love to have you. Let me pray for you. Let's all raise our hands and surrender to God on this beautiful Resurrection Sunday. Lord, you see our hands. You thank, we thank you, Lord, for your presence in our lives today. Lord, minister to every need of every couple, oh God, every family, every individual, oh God, this morning. Minister your life and your peace to us, oh God. Thank you, Lord, for the power that you've given each and every one of us to live our lives for you. Bless everybody, we pray. We thank you, Lord, that we are shining light on this hill, Lord. And as we take that light out into the world this week, Lord, that we would be shining examples for you. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say Amen. Amen. God bless y'all. We love you. Got our prayer team up here if you need special prayer. Love to have you.